Welcome to Living on Purpose. I'm Mark Pumphrey, along with my co-host, Dr. Christy Stewart, coming to you from the Circle City, Indianapolis, Indiana. And you know, Christy, we talk all the time in a lot of shows about those people that you surround yourself with. You know, those six people that you rely on, get advice from, the people you go to when you're in need. And the question we got is, who are these six people? So we thought we'd give some advice or some guidelines on who these people really are in our lives, right? Right. It's interesting because I had never really thought of that as a question uh, until somebody asked asked that question of how do you know who are those six people in your life? Because these six people are the ones that we single out because they're particularly unique from all the whole of everybody that we interact with. They're those that we have a caring and a reciprocal relationship. And I think that's one thing that we need to keep in mind through this whole show is that it is a reciprocal relationship. So it's it's give and take. It's not that person that only calls you when they have a problem. <laughs> right. right. Those are not your six people. But, so today we want to talk about how do you define those six people and how do you kind of define friendship and those different types of friends? Well, now let me ask this question right up the front. Can those six people, can they just be friends or can it be family? Can it be... We use the terms friends loosely, but yes, absolutely. They can be anybody, the friend, your friend. You know, I think a lot of people, your siblings are mm-hmm. your best friends. I think some people are really lucky that their spouse is their best friend. Right. Um, you know, some people, their moms are their best friends. So absolutely. I think for a lot of people that are listening, their six people or at least a significant number of those six are in fact family, other people not so much, but absolutely. It's whoever is going to meet this definition that we're going to give in a minute, those are going to be those six people, uh, regardless of where they fall, whether you're siblings or or not. Mm -hmm. And I know you've done a lot of research for the show and found intriguing facts about how we go about establishing relationships and when. This whole show was interesting to me. It kind of took on a whole life of its own, and I hope people enjoy it because... We've really gotten a lot out of mm-hmm. it in the process, but it is, you know, we talk about your personalities develop before you're five. This is another one of those things that I didn't know this, that your friendship, how you are as a friend, how you value friendship, what you put into your friendships is established or not established before the age of 10. So generally between the ages of five and 10 is when we develop this skill or lack of development of this skill that we decide that that one person on the playground is different than all the others, and we call them your best friend. So we learn this skill set generally between the ages of 5 and 10, and we take that into our adulthood. So people that are adults that generally don't have real close relationship, or there are six people, some Mm -hmm. people don't have anybody, they can trace that back generally to that age bracket and something going on, and they did not develop through that friendship piece of their development between the ages of 5 and 10. I mean, i got to tell you, that's interesting because... I would think that my best friend was the person that had the most Hot Wheels on the playground, (laughs) but apparently there's a little bit more to it than that. Right. Well, and I got to tell you, when we talk about defining a good friend, you know, since your best friend, I'm doing air quotes in there, Mm -hmm. is kind of a loose term, is there any kind of guidelines, any kind of, you know, um, ways we can define someone as a good friend? There is. Actually, Shasta Nelson, if, if this topic interests anyone, you can go to, I think it's ShastaNelson.com, or you can go to YouTube. She's got some amazing stuff, and we're going to talk about her stuff here in the beginning of the show of how she defines it. 
because it's really, really good. She's a relationship expert or friendship expert. She's been on like every talk show you can have. Mm. And her stuff is really, really good and it's really easy to understand. But she says that you have to have three pieces for someone to go from just like a friend to one of your six people. Okay. And that's that they have to see you, kind of like that avatar that you're not your representative. They see who you are. They believe who you are. They like who you are. Uh, somebody that you feel satisfied and safe and you're able to be vulnerable with. And the third is that you actually spend time with this person, that you are present with this person, which is one of the things that really differentiates between really good friends and people that aren't necessarily good is these are people that you want to spend time with and that you actually literally spend time with. So this wouldn't classify the person that you talk to once a year on the phone and you no. say they're your best friend. Right. No, we're going to talk about that's a separate bucket because okay. likely they were your best friend at one point and they've maybe moved away or something. So mm-hmm. they have a, di- that's a, they fall into a different category after that. These people that are your six people are people that are going to be, you're going to have a consistent relationship with, you're going to have a history with them. You're able to be vulnerable. She talks about that there are five circles of friendship. Okay. So if everybody can envision five circles in a line, the first one are your contact friends. These are kind of people that we know and that, you know, we run into them casually. They're kind of things that fall into one category, right? Mm-hmm. You have friends at church. You have friends at work. Right. You have friends that maybe your kids, uh, other moms of your kids where they go to school or PTA or whatever. Right. So they have one contextual box, a bucket, if you will, that they have this one thing so that you can be really, really close to the person at church, but they never go anywhere else in the rest of your life. Or you have a really close relationship, again, with the, the moms of your friend, your kids' friends at mm-hmm. school. You know, you volunteer with them, but they never go any further than at school or at work. You have great relationships with people at work, but they never interact with you outside of work. I can see that. So that, that's a contact friend. So if you look, again, five little circles, that's the far one on the left. I can the see that. The second one are common friends. These are people that move from contact into the common category, but they're still one kind of dimension, right? They're deeper and more consistent friendships, but they're like the moms for your kid's school, but then you meet, you know, for play dates. But okay. still, it's, you're still... A little bit more than an acquaintance. But Uh, you're still revolving around your kids. Okay. Uh, Again, church friends. You may have your church friends that you maybe expand that relationship and you actually start a home group or a study group or a a Bible study that you kind of go outside of church, but it's still church related. They don't go outside of that bucket of church. Okay. Um, And we're going to kind of skip three and we're going to come back to it. But these one and two, right, these these contacts and, and common, they're, they're on like the left side of this spectrum because they have one thing in common. We gave examples uh, of church, okay. work, um, whatever, your kid's school. They don't overlap into other things. So there's no depth. There's no Well, there could be depth, but they're only depth in that one category, right? Uh. So your work friends are your work friends, but they don't, uh, they don't know your, your wife. They don't come to your birthday parties. They're work friends at work. Okay. And I think everybody still, can You can really still be really that. close to those people and have these three, you know, feel safe with them or vulnerable with them and that. But they're only in this little bucket of common or con- context friends because they never moved out of that. That makes sense. So when we look at four and five, they're going to be on the right side, right? They're people that you're more invested in. Number The fourth one is going to be community friends. These are people that... 
at my birthday party, I might invite church friends to come or other moms to come, but they don't bring their kids. So, so we have a relationship with the mom away from the kids. We have a relationship with the people at church, but we've now brought them into our home of maybe some of our work friends that now have fallen into the, this, this community of friends. So they overlap in their buckets. So they've moved up a slot. Moved up <laughs> moved, a bucket. There you go. They moved up. A, but they're people that you have invested in that you're more than just mingling with them now. You're actually sharing other parts of your life with them. And sharing your friends with with their, them. Yeah, okay. exactly. So it's more of a, you're, you have far more invested in these people because you've taken them out of their single bucket and now and they're mingling and they're intertwining with the rest of your life, if you will. Okay. Um, the fifth group of friends are going to be these six people that we talk about. And they're going to come out of that community bucket, right? They're people that you're the most consistent, most vulnerable, that you actually have made a commitment to have a reciprocal relationship with these people, that you're there for them, they're there for you, uh, they're your people like from Grey's Anatomy, right, that you have a true commitment to. So They're the people that you can call or they can call you and you will get up and go help or do whatever it is. Exactly. Okay. You can talk to them anytime, you feel safe with them, you feel confident with them, you feel vulnerable with them, and you spend time with them. Those are the three, three criteria. Well, now we talked about one and two and four and five, but you said we're going to go back to three. Right. So what's so, three? Uh, three, she calls them confirmed friends. So okay. they're your fifth bucket, right? Your commitment bucket, your people. That one of those three criteria that is most likely the, the spending time with, that, that, that thing changes, right? So you move away. Mm. So you no longer spend time with this person. These are those people that in this third bucket that you cannot see or talk to in a year or five years and you see them or you talk to them or whatever and you pick up right where you left off. You have okay. a commitment to them, and you're vulnerable with them. You feel safe with them. You feel secure with them. But they don't know your day-to-day interactings of your life because they're not in it, and you don't have that consistency of spending time with them, so they really fall into this third-category bucket. They could go back to the fifth if you move back or whatever. Uh, college friends, you can mm-hmm. have a, a true relationship with those people, and... They're in all your different little buckets, but then you graduate and you can still see them once a year or talk to them, but you don't really interact with them every day. They kind of fall into this bucket of confirmed friends, but not necessarily your six people. But they likely were your six, one of your six people at some point in time. So your six people can move in and out of your life. Sure. And you can have more than six. We just give the example of Well, that's true. Yeah. So you <laughs> can have five. You can have 15 if you're really hey, lucky. folks, but. Dr. Christy Stewart said six. Don't go no more than six. <laughs> there you go. Actually, there is a mathematical equation to figure this number out. You actually take your brain size and you compare it against all the brain sizes, the average sizes of primates, and that will actually tell you where between five and 12 your sweet spot of friends actually should be believe it or not there is a mathematical equation well there you go folks now when you go to your brain size that's right when you go to the doctor and say i need you to you know give me my brain size because dr christy stewart said (laughs) that's right then i can tell how many friends i need to have in my life there you go but why is this important okay why do we need to know this why do we need to know about the buckets well it's interesting because one of the things that causes so much problems is that the, we think that the left side bucket people, right, those casual, those one uh, silo friends, if you will, mm-hmm. 
that we, we kind of maybe think that they have we have more invested in them or they have more invested in us. So, for example, you have a work friend that you're really, really close to and you change jobs and you never hear from them again. And you, then you get upset because you think, well, they never called me, never contacted me because well, I thought we were so close. Right. Well, you were. That's true. You were very, very close in that dynamic, in that bucket, but you never moved them out of that bucket to share in any other part of your life. So once you take the workout or like um, she gives an example of families, like you have uh, groups of families, your kids play with other people's kids and then you all work together and you have these families that they, even if you vacation together, all this stuff, but then you can take that person, you get divorced Mm -hmm. and then you're no longer included in that family dynamic. So then that's kind of upsets the whole apple cart, and now you're not included in those things anymore. I could see that, though, because even taking the person that we did hang out with at work, and they were we were real close, we went out to lunch, we did everything, but I didn't move them out of that friend zone from work. They were still looking at my representative to a degree. Well, sure. Yeah, Yeah. so no, I can see that. So you can see, I think everybody could probably come up with tons of examples of when we've been upset about this. Oh, yeah. Right? We've been very upset that we thought somebody at work or at school or whatever, at church, that we're really, really close to them, that we're really good friends with them, and then we get really disappointed when something happens and they don't show up, but it happened in our personal life, but we've never included them in our personal life. (laughs) And so if we can look at it this way, I think a lot of people could kind of back away from that being upset. Or if you want to take this person with you, you really have to kind of nurture that and know that if if you're... this relationship with somebody at church or at work, and you are not going to go to this church anymore, or you are leaving a job for another mm-hmm. job, and you want that person to stay friends, that really falls under you to keep that relationship going and bring them on into your life. So it's about cultivating a new type of relationship with this person because you're moving them out of bucket uh, bucket one to bucket you know, three, four, five. You know. Right, exactly. So, okay. And then, and that's if you can think of it in those terms that it that those different the different buckets, then I think that we could be a little bit more sympathetic to other people when they're feeling rejected or they're feeling like their feelings are hurt, mm. and that well, Good you point. never well because we're on the other side of this coin too, right? Somebody leaves work or somebody goes about and does another job, and we we don't think about it anymore. You know, our interaction was them at work. And so if they came to us and were upset, maybe we could understand that a little bit better. Or maybe we could actually outreach to someone knowing that, I want to stay friends with this person. I miss them at work. And so I want to cultivate a different relationship. I want to bring them into a different bucket. Right. So when we talk about if you're leaving a job or they're leaving a job and they say, you know what, we need to keep in touch. You got to mean it, right? Right. Well, and you got to do it. And that's what gets us to the, what is consistency, right? We talk about consistency. You have to spend time with these people. There is actually a calculation on how much time you actually have to spend to somebody to move that in, person into that fifth bucket. And it's really? 200 hours. 200, 200 hours. hours. They say that there's a 50-hour mark that takes people generally from the common bucket into your fourth bucket. Uh-huh. 100. Um, most people don't get past 100 hours. With their friend, quote unquote, they drift off to something else or they drift out of their life or what have you. But 200 hours seems to be that sweet spot that you've really invested in this person. They've invested in you. You have this reciprocal relationship that now you have that safety, that vulnerability, 
and you have consistency in that relationship, again, back to her definition of good friends, that you have to have those three pieces and it says 200 hours is that sweet spot. So we're not recommending that you take a stopwatch to every encounter. <laughs> well, actually, you think, you know, if you have lunch or, you, you know, half an hour. Sure. You know, that takes a long time. 200 or hours is a long time. 200 hours is a long time. And then I guess when you're sitting there thinking, it's like, man, I really feel close to this person. You know, you probably hit about the 200 hour mark. Yeah. So literally your friendships really come down to how much time do you spend with people. Definitely makes sense, mm-hmm. you know. I guess that would be the other quick question about, our health when it comes to having these relationships you know what can it do for our overall health our our psyche if you will it's interesting because there was a research study and i think this was by harvard but i'm not i'm not positive on that that said that you can do a calculation of your health 20 years from now based on how happy you are today with your friends Okay. They did this very long study, a uh, very large study, and said that you're that at the end of the day, how loved and supported that you feel today is the number one indicator of your health 20 years from now. More so than diet, exercise, or even if you smoke or not. Really? Yeah. We've talked in other shows that having close friends increases your sense of belonging and your purpose in life. It boosts your happiness. It reduces your stress. It helps you cope with traumas and serious illnesses, job loss, deaths, all those things. And we know that studies have shown that having a supportive relationship is a strong protection against mental illness and increases your overall mental Mm well-being. All of that we've talked about before. Interesting that it can literally, if you have good friends in your life today that you feel safe, secure, and you spend time with, your health 20 years from now is going to be better than it is if you don't. That's amazing. Isn't that isn't that insane? Yeah. I can start smoking. I can eat all I want. I just need good friends, right? There you go. <laughs> they probably but your good won't friends let are probably going to not let you smoke. There <laughs> right. you go. But it's really what's really troubling about this is that, you know, we gave the statistic before that 80% of Americans don't say that they have a close friend. Mm-hmm. Would we wonder then why our healthcare industry That's is such true. a mess? Why are we in such poor health? Why are we in such bad mental health? I it, think that is... One thing is that statistic alone, if we get anything else out of that show, if you just hear me, that says that 80% of Americans say they do not have a close friend. And a close friend today dictates what your health is going to be 20 years from now. That's amazing. Statistically, it just is. So this is a real problem. And I think I that we think we can actually boil down some of our problems in our world today in the United States based on that we as Americans do not feel that we have a close friend. Well, some of the other statistics are that, I didn't realize this, that almost 50% of meals eaten in this country every day are eaten by people alone. 50%. Nearly 50%. Isn't that incredible? Teenagers and millennials are spending less time with each other, hanging out with friends. They're replacing the real world interaction with their smartphones. Yeah, and that is true because I got to tell you, my uh, nephews—that's what they do. They just sit there and on the—they don't even talk to one another. They're across. <laughs> right, exactly. And th- those are two contributing factors to what we've talked about already. Wow. So let's talk about how do you know again these six people? You meet that three three criteria that we talked right. about, right? You, mm-hmm. They see you. You feel vulnerable. You're able to feel vulnerable. You're safe. You feel secure, and you actually spend time with these people. So what are some of the things that you can look for? Because you might spend, you might meet that criteria with a lot of people, but they might not be your people people, as right. air quotes people. So <laughs> some of the things we're going to talk about the remaining part of the show are what are the traits, characteristics, 
of you being, me being, um, one of the six people to these people? What, what should these people bring to the table for you other than just superficial or you spend time with them and you can talk to them? But what, what differentiates, what makes them unique from the whole? Right. And the first one is that they celebrate your success. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you want somebody to celebrate with you, right? I mean, right. when you say, hey, I got a new car or a new job or whatever, you want that person to be happy for you. Right. They're the fir- generally the first people, the person that you call to say good job, that you're proud of you. Again, this is going to get into siblings and parents even potentially. Right. That's one of those things that you can tell who are my people, who do I want to share that I know is going to celebrate my success and who do I want to share it with. You know, they want to know the details. They ask you tons of questions. Uh, they don't get jealous of your achievement. Yes, like the whole, it must be nice. <laughs> you know, right. somebody saying or that. The you know, sure, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's pretty, but. Exactly. exactly. Um, you know, when one wins, you all win. And and one of those things that I think that, that I think has helped us in this show for both of us is that when, you know, you want to look at it when one of your friends is successful, that it kind of propels everybody to be successful. Yes. So you kind of want to take people with you. Mm-hmm. And you want to realize who's taking you with them. Yeah, I think so. And I think that for people that don't have friends that do these things with you, or if you find yourself not telling your friends about your wins and your right. you know, celebrations. Because they get jealous or because they come back, well, but, or really, is that, is that really what it looks like? Whatever exactly. that you know, Debbie Downer is. Mm-hmm. They're uh, probably again, not part of your six people. I would say they're definitely Or, not. if they are part of your six people, <laughs> you they need to want. go. Right. Because, yeah, I definitely say they're not, because that is one of those things that you're not going to feel safe. If you don't call them, you're not calling them for some reason. Exactly. And if you're not calling for the reason not feel safety, then you don't meet the criteria of the three required things. Absolutely. So. The next is they understand you need time alone. Mm. I thought this was interesting. Because I don't think we think of it that way, right? Because in Western culture, we, we tend to think that the desire or need to be alone is part of, you know, being depressed or being sad. That's true. But it is very healthy. You know, obviously, you don't want to go overboard on this, but people... <laughs> you don't be that, a shut-in, but... You know. <laughs> right, right. We don't be hermit. But people that care about you understand, and they don't take it personal. They don't take it. Their feelings aren't hurt because you want to just stay home and, and rejuvenate tonight. Mm-hmm. They understand that. Well, and I think that that person also is not pushing you. You know, I, I right. one of the things for me that I always think about is if somebody wants to do something, I leave it open to you. This is what we're going to do. You are more than welcome to come. If not, that's cool. You know, so right. then that way they feel like they're more than welcome to come, but they're not obligated. They under, uh, yeah, they understand you need to unwind and reboot. And this is not, they don't want to control your time. Yes. Because that's a very unhealthy thing when somebody wants to control all of your time. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, again, if you have one of your six people that are always pushing you to do, do, do on their time schedule, not one of your six people right. that's going to celebrate Doesn't mean you, you can't have a great time with them. Doesn't mean no. they can't be friends with them. Doesn't mean that they're not in your number four bucket, and that's great because you're going to have a lot of people in your four bucket. That's right. But what we're talking today are specifically those people in your sixth bucket or your fifth bucket that are your six people that are truly those that you're going to go to and need. Right. You know, uh, the next is they're caring and empathetic. I think it's easier to be empathetic when you know somebody, when you feel safe with them, you feel like you're able to be vulnerable with them mm-hmm. and, and vice versa. And again, it's a reciprocal relationship. So being empathetic uh, by definition just means the ability to emotionally understand what another person is experiencing. Now that doesn't mean you have to agree with them. That's right? a good point. It just means you have to be empathetic with them. Because right. you, you care about them, you trust them, you want to spend time with them, 
you you care about what their opinion is, even if it's different than your own. And that's what, and we do talk about that. You know, you give them compliments. You never judge them on their appearance. And I mean, I got to emphasize that. If somebody is different, if somebody looks a little different, you you got to like them for them. You can't right. sit over there and... Well, again, they've got to see you. They've got to, to see, see you. you. Very they've good point. They've got to see you. And if they can, then you're able to see who they are, their values. If we talk about the iceberg, that 20% out of the water mm-hmm. that most people judge. These are people that you're going to see for the 80% under the water. And no, you're not going to judge them on their 20% of behavior. Right. You're going to know who they are as a person. You're going to believe who they are. They're 80% under the water. You're going to care about them. You're going to be empathetic and caring to who they are based on their values and based on the fact that, again, you see them. They're 80% under the water. You care about them. You feel safe. You feel vulnerable. They feel safe and vulnerable. They share with you. You share with them. And again, you spend time with them. Well, do you think that somebody that is going to be part of your six, do you think that they shouldn't criticize you or do they, or could they critique you? Right. That, that's a good one because we did a whole show on that. Right. <laughs> that was one of our better shows. If anybody wants to listen to that, I don't think that they necessarily criticize you. Or if they are criticizing you, you don't see it as a criticism. You see it as a critique because you know that they care about you. You, you allow yourself to be vulnerable with them. So you don't necessarily see it as a criticism. You see it as a critique or okay. how you can do it better because your friends are going to hold you accountable. That's part of being a good friend, right? Mm-hmm. If they know that you're doing something that's destructive and hurtful, they're not going to be like, oh, well, you know, that's okay. No, they're generally going to come back and say, what are you doing? <laughs> right? These are your six people. Your six people are going to hold you accountable, check you at the door. That's what you want. Right. But you're not going to... But they're going to lift you up right, exactly. at the same time. You're not going to feel like it's a criticism. And if you do feel like it is a criticism, you're going to understand it's coming from a loving place. Doesn't so basically, mean, they're choosing compassion you know, within their criticism. Sure, because they're trying, you know, you need people that are going to be empathetic and caring to you. But you also need people that are not going to let you send out your representative. That's true. You know, I send out my representative something stupid. You're going to be like, yeah, I don't, what What are you doing? I, I've seen you at your worst. So what do you think? Why, why would you even say that? I know that's not true. Right. Where, anywhere, you know, 99% of the rest of the population be like, oh, yeah, Stuart, that's great. And you're like, yeah, no. I don't know. I don't even know what you're thinking. Well, it's interesting, too, that there was a lot of studies that indicated that a person's ability to be empathetic is really a nurturing thing, not a nature thing. So how we treat other people and how we feel about others is really a reflection of our beliefs and our values that were instilled in us at a young age by our parents, our grandparents, our our siblings that are older than us or whatever. These are things that generally being empathetic, uh, we've seen other people, we've watched, we've modeled other people be empathetic. And by the age of 10... This is really where it lies, right? So, right, as far as it comes with friendships, exactly. Yeah. Because you've established or developed or underdeveloped your ability to be a friend, statistically, according to the research, by the age of 10. Right. The next one is that you res- they respect you and they value your friendship. Right. Again, you're not going to have a reciprocal relationship where you're able to be vulnerable and you're not going to really want to spend time with people that you don't respect and have a valuable friendship with. So that kind of a given on this one but exactly respect goes both ways right right well they got it they get a feel that they're safe around you the ability to express their selves and yourself right exactly that, i mean because that would totally make sense you can't feel safe around somebody if you don't respect them i don't think so i don't think so either. i don't think you're going to allow yourself to be vulnerable about around somebody that you don't respect i agree and i don't think we really want to spend a lot of time with people that we don't respect <laughs> i think we have to but again those are going to be in our silos one and two 
If they are, if they're, they are oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But they're going to be in one and two. They're never going to go over to the right side into our four or five. Because we don't respect them. We don't right. want to spend time with them. Well, we don't want to be vulnerable sh- and, and share with them. Absolutely. So this is one that I think everybody, if you have the six people in your life, it can be somewhat combative, but it's enjoying exchanging opinions. Now, that, yeah. that's a touchy issue for some, right? It is. I think, and this may be one of those things that keeps your fours from going to your fives. <laughs> because some people, you just can't, you know, you just you just can't embrace their opinions. Right. You can respect them, that they have them, but you really have to be able to em- embrace that and enjoy sharing your opinions with people. And I think that that's true. And that they, they will share your opinion and you can take theirs in as well. Right. You know, it's not all about, no, you're wrong. Even though their values may be different. Right. They're still interested in what you think and what you feel because that really comes down to who you are. Those six people in your life want to know who you are. Well, now, does this relate to your core uh, values? Is this where your six people have to kind of mold in with your core values? I, I would say so. I mean, I didn't find any real research on that, but I, yeah, I would. I, Dr. Stewart says so. I don't think, <laughs> I don't know how we can really mesh feel safe secure and spend a lot of time with people that have drastically different core values than we do Mm. i think you would have conflict over that i think you would not be able to necessarily embrace and be empathetic you you might respect that they have the right to that opinion but i think it's going to be hard to be around somebody who is drastically different values than you i think they could probably be in your number four bucket where they could be somebody that's really important in your life and shares a lot of every area of your life. But I don't think you're going to go to somebody that has drastically different core values than you and flop into something terrible that's going on in your life and needing help and needing somebody to understand you. I don't know that you're going to do that. Maybe some people could, but I don't see them. I don't see somebody... That's going to be the rarity, though. Right. I don't yeah. see somebody that has drastically different core values than you going into your five bucket. I don't, I don't see that. The next is they believe what you say. Okay. I think, that that's, right. I think that, that's I think that's important. Again, feel... I don't know how you can be vulnerable and safe and secure if you don't believe what somebody says. Well, to especially you. if you're sitting there going, "Well, you know, I really like Mark, but he lies a lot." Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if you can do that. And it, it, can you say that you really like me a lot, but I lie a lot? I don't know if those really mesh really well together. Don't <laughs> do I lie a lot? <laughs> <laughs> well, forty times a day, go back and listen yeah, to our right. live show. We all do that. But I think that these are people that, again, are going to be in, maybe move into your four bucket. You could spend time with them. You can have sort of a commitment to them. You can value their friendship and be close to them and spend time with them. But they're not going to necessarily move into your six people that you feel really safe with. Because Mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel really safe with someone that you don't believe is telling you the truth. Right. Now, superficially, that might be okay. But when we're talking about really getting into the nitty gritty of people that that they're, they're your people, I, I don't think that you can... Well, I've got to rely on what they say. Right, I've got to exactly. believe in what they and say. And they have to believe in what you say. Exactly. So I think those are people you could be close to, but they're not going to roll into your six people. Your research says that they have to believe all your stories. Now, when you take me on these <laughs> hikes and, you know, oh, it was only 10 miles and it's my story, so I make it 30. Can... Uh, <laughs> there you go. Does that fall in that you have to believe all <laughs> your stories? <laughs> well, you know, there you go. I, I, I sometimes, it, sometimes it feels like twenty miles. Yes, you know, so I'm like, yeah, I'm with him. It, it, I've only been ten, but yeah, let's go with twenty. <laughs> but yes, yeah. I do believe that you know when you're telling a story, people have to feel like that they they can believe in you. You know, it's, it, you know, if you're starting out, well, I was a spy in Russia. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right? That's funny. 
Well, and the next one is, is that they accept you the way that you are. Again, I don't see how you can meet the criteria of I see you if they don't accept you for who you are. I Yes, I you agree. You know, you have to be okay. You have to be okay with that person. You have to see that person. Um, again, we talk about that 80-20 of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to look at that 20% and know where that's coming from. That's their story. That's not who they are. And you can love them through it. You can accept them through it. You can be empathetic through it. But they have to appreciate who you are, right? right? Through your and differences. Care about you. Genuinely care, care about, about you. Again, that doesn't mean you have to be a carbon copy of someone. Again, most of my people that I spend the majority of my time with are completely opposite of me. I don't spend a lot of pe- time with people that are like me. That's where I feel safe and secure. Um, and, but it does it create conflict sometimes? Absolutely. Oh, sure, yeah. You know, I mean, we have issues sometimes, but I respect them. They respect me. And that's the key difference. And they, I agree but they with accept you. me. For my difference. And they also know that you can call on you and you'll be there. You know what I'm saying? I think that that's a part of your six people, that they're loyal to you. Right. right? Well, yeah, that you have to trust them and you have to have a consistency, right? A history we talked about and a consistency in that relationship. And if for some reason they don't and for not a good reason or whatever, even if it is a good reason, but even they don't, they don't, they don't. Uh, they're probably mm, going to go to your number three bucket. Right, they're not yep. going to stay in that fifth bucket because you have to be able to trust that person that they are going to be there for you. And I think that's one another reason, even though she gave the example of people moving, I think that's another life circumstance can take people, I think, from that three to five and back and forth. Because I guess if you don't feel it's reciprocated. Right, well, you have a new relationship, you have a new baby, um, oh, yeah. you're, you're getting divorced, You're you know maybe your parent has... Um, some type of mental or physical problem that now is taking up all your time so you're not spending time with this person, that person may fall to that three bucket rather than staying in your another five bucket. So life circumstances of all kinds can move that, Oh, I think so. I think, yeah, I don't know that she necessarily addresses that, but I think that that's definitely true, that then you don't have that consistency. And if somebody's going through a really hard time and they're one of those people that, you know, life went from it's half full to half, half empty... And you can't necessarily call them because their life is really hard. You know, I mean, that doesn't mean that you don't care about them. You don't have a commitment to them. But I don't think you're they're not necessarily going to be your one of your six people until you can move move into a different place with them. That makes sense. But like it's like you said earlier in the show, that can move in and out. Right. Exactly. So exactly. Now, would you say that part of those six people that they want you to like have other friends, right? They don't want you to be isolated to just them. Well, I think that that's part of like the being alone and understanding that you, one person can't be everything to everybody. Right. You know, I mean, and these people may not necessarily interact with each other. That's true. Right. You know, I mean, my six people, um, they probably all know you, but they, they don't necessarily spend time with you like I do. Mm-hmm. Your six people, you know, you know, you, you have got a great relationship with your siblings. Um, I don't necessarily spend time with your siblings. That doesn't mean that those things have to interact. But so, yeah, I think that people that really care about us point. understand that other people have to be in our lives. It's like your spouse. You know, your spouse can't be everything to you. Right. They can be a significant piece to you, but not everything. You have to have friends. You have to have all those relationships that, that bring out different things and accept you for different reasons. And I think that's a really good point. And I don't think that we made that clear up until now that your six friends don't need to know one another. They can be just your six people in your life. Right, exactly. You know, so yeah, definitely. I, I think that that's a good point to bring up. You know, And I would think that 
these six people would also know how to keep a secret. You know, I mean, at least in my opinion. Well, I think that that's part of trusting them, right? You have to be able to trust that they're not going to spread your business. <laughs> you know, at least that's what it is for me. You know, because you're not going to tell them if you don't trust them, and you're not going to trust right. them if they blabber all your stuff. Well, I mean, I just know everybody now that I know a lot of Christy Stewart's secrets. So she becomes famous. <laughs> yes, you do. Probably more than just any person alive, really. Right. <laughs> That's funny. So this is what we're kind of talking about, folks. These are some guidelines for you to look for your six people. They have to have these things. And I think that people can really benefit from this. So, Christy, do you have any final thoughts for us today? Well, you know, when we talk about our six people that have the most influence in our life, we're kind of like the Grey's Anatomy, right? Our quote-unquote, our people. These are relationships that are not about finding that person, right? You're not going out and finding my best friend. It's about building a friendship with trust. It's allowing yourself to be vulnerable with that person, which is a choice on your part, which is one reason why some people, I think, of that 80% don't have a close friend. They don't allow themselves to be vulnerable with people, and some people have had really hard lives. I get that. But you're not going to get what you need unless you give what you need. And that's true in friendship and anything else. Because developing a friendship that can sustain over time involves investment. And you have to, to, for somebody to be vulnerable with you, you need to be able to be vulnerable with them. You know, it's not, again, it's not about getting good friends. It starts with being a good friend. And it requires consistency, which means you just have to spend time with these people. I think I have a little poem that says, A friend is someone we turn to when our spirits need a lift. A friend is someone we treasure, for the friendship is a gift. A friend is someone who, who fills our lives with beauty, joy, and grace. A friend makes the world we live in a better and happier place. So we're about out of time for this show, and we have some great news. Starting January 1st, 2022, you can find our show at livingonpurposepodcast.com or any of the podcast platform like Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. Just search Living On Purpose Podcast and subscribe to the podcast or look us up on Facebook and give us a like and let us know what you want to add to this new show. That's right. So live every day of your life. On purpose. On purpose.